Hello, 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 everyone, and we are back for a wonderful Monday of Common Sense Uncensored, as always. You can follow us on Rumble, and you can also comment, and we've got Dr. Rick Becker in the house because he's running for the house today. And I want to make sure that you know if you want to ask him some questions yourself, you can call 701-213-0863, and uh, you'll chat question will show up on my board here and I'll be more than happy to ask Mr. Dr. Becker how, what do you prefer Mr. Dr. Rick I, <laughs> which is the best Rick way is, to... Rick is good okay yeah, Mr. Is, Mr. is weird to me after all these years but Rick is plenty good okay sounds good to me because I never know which way to go and I come oh, from yeah. education where some people are really attached to that doctor thing and it's really pretty funny because they're PhDs but hey whatever floats no, your you boat yeah. isn't it I mean I'm just sorry but I'm like oh, okay then so Rick you, uh, yes. we always we, we come and we talk to you about uh, we've been talking to you about property tax and stuff and now you've got a brand new hat that you want to put on you want to run for the uh, US House of Representatives and uh, what I'd like to know from you is why are you gonna throw yourself into the belly of that beast I know yeah it's uh, it, it's just it's basically a calling because yeah it sounds horrible I, I'm not interested in living in DC. Um, it's a crazy swampy mess, but I just feel compelled. It's, it's, there, it's, there's too much going on that is wrong with the nation and it's fixable, but no one's, or very few, not enough are trying to truly fix it. And so the people that are trying to fix it need all the help they can get. So, you know, after a lot of thought and discussion with my wife, uh, we thought, uh, we thought, well, we'll, we'll give this a try. I can tell you that if if I am not in the end uh, have won this race, I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that because I will know in my heart I did everything I could to do what's best for for our state, for our country, for future generations, and I can then move on to stuff that I think is more fun. But that being said, you know what we have here is an opportunity. There are very very few true principled conservatives that happen to be in a position with an adequate name recognition, with the capability of being elected to a statewide office. And so I, I feel like it's, it's almost a responsibility. I understand totally, because when people ask me, when I tell them I'm considering running for the House of Representatives for District 20 again, they go, why do you want to do it? And I go, no, no you don't understand that. I really don't. But yeah. when I take a look at the people that are currently in office and the way that they've been voting, I go, somebody's got to do something. And people today, this is going to sound like a real bad slam, but you know, maybe it's meant to. They're good at complaining, but nobody's running that's worth you know, they're salt. And, and, and yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes money. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a bundle of fun. But what good is complaining going to do if you're not willing to throw yourself into the breach? Yeah, it's true. People have to, if you want your community, your state, your country to be a better place, then you have to sacrifice. You have to do what's necessary. We have found, you know, I was in the legislature for 10 years. And after each session, I would look to see, what what open legislative seats were coming up, meaning the person wasn't going to run again, and what were opportunities to try and primary someone who claimed to be a Republican but was anything but, and we would find great opportunities. We couldn't find people to run, and I know it's not easy, and it certainly doesn't have to be state legislator. It could be you know uh, city or county commission, school board, township, 
the, anything, but the point is get involved. Well, I'm running as an independent, and so are you, thanks to the fun rules that the Republican well, Party has. Or are you running as a Republican outside of the yeah, party, or how are you doing I'm, that? I'm running as a Republican. Oh, I thought they didn't let you do that because you ran as an independent. Well, see, there's a, there's a widespread misunderstanding. The rule is a party convention rule. So I can't run at the convention to ah. seek the endorsement, you see, but I can go to the primary. Okay. And what's interesting is the other two candidates, Julie Fedorchek, Tom Campbell, they both have said that regardless whether they win or lose the convention, they are also going to go on to the primary. Ooh. So, you know, I, it's, it's neither here nor there. But no, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm going to be a Republican in, on June 11th. Well, that's kind of funny that you mentioned that about Campbell and Fedorchek because you took a lot of heat after you didn't make the primary endorsement that when it was in Bismarck, because people were saying, oh, well, he said he wasn't going to run, and, da, 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 da. and they're basically saying the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's a little bit different. You know, I contend, and, and I mean, I, it's not just like nuance of words. It actually, I did keep my, I made a pledge to the delegates that I would, that I would honor the convention. What that means, of course, the convention picks who's going to the primary. Correct. Whoever is the Republican nominee out of the primary has a tremendous, tremendous advantage. An independent at a statewide election in, in, uh, in the general election almost never wins, effectively never wins a Senate campaign. And so that run was more about um, holding Senator Hoven accountable, about sticking to principle, about keeping people involved. So I honored my pledge to not go to the primary because that is where the real advantage comes from. But yes, regardless, uh, I'll be a Republican in the primary. People are apparently going to have at least three choices in the primary for House. And of course, I happen to be the best choice. <laughs> well, I happen to know that they, they, they have this pay to play thing in, uh, in North yep. Dakota Republicans. So if you make it to the primary, are you going to have to pay those? Is it like $5,000 just for the ability nope, to run convention. for House? That's just the convention. So the the old guard who was in charge in 2021 didn't like grassroots people being involved. They didn't like their country club being challenged. And so they set up these fence building rules. They doubled the amount of signatures you had to get from yep. uh, district chairs. They put, depending on what you're running for, a $2,500 to $5,000 fee to run at the convention. Um, and and then they implemented this rule that if you've ever run as an independent, you for six years can't run at, at the Republican convention. Um, so these are only convention rules and they are fence building. We now have other people in charge, good conservative people in charge that would probably like to do away with these rules and they'll have an opportunity to uh, this this next year here. Because it's it, I think they personally, I think they make it confusing on purpose. Because I think that they're, as you said, their main goal is to make sure that we were just talking about people participating. And I happen to think that the old guard's main goal is to make sure that you feel like you don't have that ability to, to participate. And that's a shame because I thought politics was supposed to be about participation, not about putting up walls. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, they, they, they were all about protecting their club. And now that the conservatives have the majority in, in the in the uh, state party, one of the first things they did was to take away some of those barriers. So it's actually easier for the ones, the conservatives in power now, to be challenged and to get voted out. 
they actually made it easier for themselves to lose power because it's the right thing to do. So speaking about losing power and things, um, what do you feel about term limits and stuff? And and the fact that what a what a lot of people say when, when you come on is that, well, you're going to be the new kid on the block and, and you aren't going to know what to do. Well, as a two ended question, I know. Well, yeah. So I'm not sure there's kind of a weird thing there because you know what to do if you have the principles, that's what you need. You need a foundation of what it means to be conservative, why limited government is better, why limited taxation is better, why letting people keep the money they earn is better. When you understand these principles, then whatever comes at you, you can deal with. Now, sure, there's the, you know, how do I go through this tunnel to get to this chamber to make this vote? You know, come on, we've all been through kindergarten. The first day is a little, little rough. And we all learn the ropes. I can tell you that there are some people there that are not so brilliant and they still figure out how to get where they need to be. The idea that, oh, gosh, we've got power. You know, people will say, oh, the, the, we have to keep people. And, and I'm not running against an incumbent. So for my race, it's a moot point. But that concept like, well, it's important because they're in a power position. What's important is how they cast their vote. Yep. That's the real power. If if they're if they indeed have any kind of power on a committee and so forth, but they're voting crappy, then what that means is that that power that they that they wield is actually not used for good. So we don't want them to even have power. So this idea that the incumbent, you know, it has an advantage, I think, is is absolutely the wrong way of thinking. Well, I think it's just another wall. And, and they seem to be very good at scare tactics. Uh, well, if we get rid of this guy who's on all of these important committees, oh, my God, we're going to lose control of this or control of that. If they're not voting the way you want them to vote, do you have any control at all? Right. The most important thing is what are they doing with their single vote? That, that is the most important thing. So, and if you don't have that, nothing else matters. Do you feel, an, can reform actually be done within the party, given the number of rhinos, and in case people don't know what rhino means, uh, Republican in name only, who seem to be in charge, not just at the North Dakota level, but gosh, they're, they're, they're embedded at the federal level as well. Yes. Um, well, but reform can come. Uh, it's slow and it's difficult because the, the, the powers that be are so entrenched. But it's, it, there are several good people there now. I could name, you know, a dozen probably, but the, like, say, the top three that come to my mind are uh, Thomas Massey, Jim Jordan, Chip Roy. You've got these guys, other members in the Freedom Caucus, and as they get more in number, they get more influential. They get more momentum. If you get a, a critical mass of these people that can help influence others and influence not by coercion, but by education, number one, and then there's something that cannot be overlooked, the power of it. And that is that those people that d maybe don't have that moral or philosophical compass and that are squishes, they don't want to look bad. That's one of the things they don't want. And when you have true conservatives voting and talking about the principles, they will come along lest they look bad. And so you don't even need a majority of conservatives to have a fully conservative branch of government. How are you going to be able to handle, I like to call it the party politics, where 
the uh, people that are entrenched, as we like to say, that are in the Republican Party like to put pressure that you need to toe the party line. I guess I've been under the impression that you're supposed to represent the people, not the party. And that's one of the problems I have with with the Republicans and the Democrats. And and I understand independents have a long road to hoe, but it seems to me to be more about the party than the people these days. Well, yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Well, and, you know, a lot of times the people in leadership are in leadership because they've played the game that the party wants them to play. Yep. But for for those of us that are principled, that has it's principle before party. Okay. And what's ironic, and I've written about this, is when you put principle above party, you actually make the party stronger. Those people that put party above uh, above principle, meaning that if the party leadership or uh, some new resolutions go against the actual principles you have, but you just ignore those principles, you actually weaken the party. Not to mention you know, your own uh, integrity. (laughs) Well, I I truly wonder, given the way some of these people vote, uh, how they sleep at night, apparently very well. Uh, But I'm asking myself, and I'm going to ask you this question too. Do you think D.C. is basically up for sale? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's a, it's a, but, but you've got this fight between those that, that, that are the, the whores, (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're talking I about understand. Yourself, putting yourself up for sale um, that, because that's really any elected official. All they have to offer, again, is their vote. That's what they have to offer. And if you're willing to sell your vote, you're willing to sell it yourself. And um, when you are there and you you are you become um, bewitched by that, this this newfound sense of importance uh, and the sense of validation, and it can be it, Thomas Massey talks about the congressional pin, yep, and he refers to it as precious from uh, Lord of the Rings, you know that oh the, the yes, the ring, and he's like, you wear that, and people suddenly treat you different and and it can be very you can succumb to that sense, and so I think that's what happens, and that's why it's so refreshing when we get those few out there that that stick to principle and and really. Um, celebrate principle above everything else. That's that's where the future of America is. It's it's either it's one of two paths. It's either a path of destruction or it is a path where folks like uh, the, those that I'm referring to um, start to take control. Well, I'm hoping that that you and the others do it quickly. But I have to do this quick ad because we rely on advertisers for Churchill shoes. Take it away, Paul. Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SaaS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. 
And they are having an SAS sales event the entire month of February, so make sure that you check out Churchill Shoes. I can see them from here. Okay, I was listening to somebody uh, the other day uh, who was a legislator, a former legislator, and he laughed about the fact that people seem to enter politics uh, and come out extremely wealthy uh, at the end of it. And he said no one enters politics to become wealthier uh, when they leave. But it seems to be a trend. Yeah. Well, I think I think no one is a strong word. I think that uh, a lot of them that do become wealthy at, while they're in office, maybe that wasn't their intention. But again, you know, they succumbed to, uh, to Precious and... and, and and then fell into that pattern. And I'm sure it's tempting if they've got their their money manager saying, hey, you know, what did you find out in committee about this or that? And, and you know, we should invest here. Or, you know, you you talk to your person who talks to their person who talks to the investor. But it is I mean, it's it's not just coincidence. These these guys aren't aren't um, intellectual giants when it comes to <laughs> investing. It's just, it's not that they just happen to be so smart in investing. Right. Right. If if it right. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's, you know, it's probably it's insider. Tra- so, yeah, it's insider trading. They, exactly. <laughs> they have they have knowledge and they have uh, access that we don't have. And they're using that access to enrich themselves. Which brings me to a few things that I know, quite frankly, are being utilized, such as there's. Lots of people making plenty of money off of funding of the Ukraine and Israel. And that, I believe, in my heart, is why they're so loath to let it go. Well, yeah, I'm really, I don't know. There are, yes, there are some that clearly the, the military industrial complex, they, they're, they're, you know, they know where their bread is getting buttered. Um and then there are others, though, I think that in the beginning they bought into this very, very simple construct of one side good, one side bad, right. and everyone must be on the good side. And if you question it, then you don't, you're not for good, you're for evil. And I'll tell you, Kit, from the beginning, I questioned it. Um, I said at the very, very least, we should not be sending the money over without accountability, without a method of payback. We know that Ukraine is corrupt. We are a nation in debt. It's it's inconceivable that we would just throw money and and not be responsible with it. In addition, then I said, it's possible we shouldn't be sending a dollar, but I'm not there. I don't have the information and the intel, but I can tell you I'd be voting no because it's going over with no accountability. Well, uh, and then as time has gone on, that's, yeah. that's just underscored. I mean, we are throwing good money after bad, and there seems to be no end. It's uh, and it's the same. I'll say the same thing uh, with Israel. Israel, I side with. I side with entirely. I don't know where you. I don't. Doesn't matter. I side with Israel entirely. If someone came into North Dakota and did what happened to Israel on October seventh, I would hope that we would go and effectively level. Uh, the area that was harboring the people that did what happened there. So make no mistake, when I am talking about aid to Israel is not the same thing as support to Israel. Israel is a nation that I would contend doesn't actually even need our help. Uh, They are in less debt than we are. Yep. If we would stop funding their enemies, we would help them even more. 
So we can help us, our taxpayers, by not sending money over to Israel's enemies, thereby also helping them. It is so simple. We have to stop dabbling in all these little things around the world and throw money at it everywhere. This idea that we're peddling influence is ridiculous. Until we have our own house in order, let's stay out of other people's houses. And the thing is, is that in Ukraine, they can't even keep track of, they're saying, oh, we're not sending them money, we're sending them armaments. They can't keep track of them. They have no idea where a lot of these weapons and stuff have, have ended up. They just know they keep needing more and more and more, but they can't tell us where the ones we sent them are. And anybody who thinks that the weapons are connected to money, I mean, come on, that, that to me is, uh, that, that is just so sophomoric. Oh, we aren't sending them money, we're sending them weapons, really? Well, and, well not only that, that's dishonest, because uh, if, we, if we, you say a number, the total number, then they'll say, well, that's, in, that's armaments. But, but it's also money. It's both. We're sending money and armaments. And yes, a good portion of it is armaments. But we are sending many billions of dollars over in cold, hard cash as well. Well, Kramer uh, was on the radio and he was saying that he was very disappointed that when he was getting ready to sign the bill, he had an amendment that didn't make it because he was going to say, well, let's make it a loan to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing with that. There are people from World War II that still owe us money. We can't get the UN to pay their bills. We can't get NATO to pay their bills. So the fact that he's so disappointed that we can't go to Ukraine, well, it's okay. We'll just make it alone. I'm sitting there going, once again, really? How stupid do you have to be to think that that's the panacea that I'm going to go, oh, well, okay, then just send that money and all that stuff off to Ukraine because it's a loan now. I'm sorry for the sarcasm, but I'm done. I, I like the sarcasm accent. That's, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah, dear Dan, that's good. We'll send them the money. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but why do they think that we're that stupid unless we actually are? Well, but we're waking up. I mean, we have been that stupid, if that's how we want to phrase it. We have, we, we have been, been oblivious or, or ambivalent about all of the spending for the last several decades. So they've done it and gotten away with it and haven't had backlash. They, it, they haven't had repercussions of being ousted from office. There's no incentive for them to not spend our money. It, it's, it's maddening, but... If we keep fighting, if we conservatives stand up, if we are vocal, you know, maybe we can turn that around. And and frankly, it's going to turn around, Kit, because we are we are this close to having a a complete financial meltdown. Yep. Meltdown. And it's going to affect everybody. And then and then, of course, there is no there's no choice. There's no choice. Well, to get back to melting down and the. Quite frankly, the deficit, which it, it, I can't even wrap my mind around that many zeros. So what the heck are we going to be able to do? Because it's not like we can just say, and it's gone. The deficit's no longer there. We're going to be fine. Sooner or later, yeah. you've got to pay. So how are we getting out of this? And What do you think you can do to help? Well, one of the big things that they are doing is inflating their way out of it um, to some degree, which, of course, hurts us, hurts middle and lower middle class people the most. Yep. The way to get out of it uh, would Mike Lee and Rand Paul both independently have had plans to convert us from deficit spending to a balanced budget. 
And it occurs over the course of, depending on which plan and what year, five to 10 years. So there's no short fix. Now, we could go in like Malay and Argentina and just start slashing stuff, like Vivek Ramaswamy was proposing, start slashing stuff. And I'm that's fine with me. We, could, we can do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't. Um, but if we are going to have a, a deliberative body that moves very, very slowly, like they traditionally have, um, we could convert ourselves to a balanced budget over the course of the next 10 years pretty easily. Um, now, that doesn't mean we're out of debt. It means we're a balanced budget. And it, then at that point, we can start eating away at our debt. Now, that will not happen in your and my lifetime. Exactly. Uh, unless, of course, we have uh, a national divorce, uh, a societal collapse, a complete financial meltdown, then, you know, we start over and uh, our, all of the debt is written off and it's a whole new world. But absent that, it's going to be a very long haul. So we get some people with some sanity that do these legislation for the balanced budget. Congress has a lot of turmoil and a lot of turnover. What's to keep somebody else from just coming in similar to what Biden did and just saying, and I'm not going to pay any attention to it? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of laws out there that right now we're ignoring. Right. And I know you're not you're not uh, the all seer, you know, but you got to admit, I got a point. Oh, you do. And here's Congress has the power of the purse string. And this is what they need to use. And they need to use it over and over and over and over and over. And for every one of these agencies that's not following law, that agency should have its funding cut or zeroed out. And Congress has the ability to do that if. They have a backbone. If you're willing to shut down government in order to defund an agency that is unlawful, you can actually make it happen. And that's one of my main things I want is accountability for the bureaucracy, for the regulatory agencies that completely run roughshod over Congress. And they just, you know, apparently they just don't have the gumption to actually do anything about it, to actually do what they're responsible for when we elected them. I can't see the big deal why everybody panics when they go, oh, we're going to shut the government down. I'm like, and? Yeah. Well, I, I think What's the big deal? Yeah, let it happen, man. So one of the reasons, though, is because people, many people have the misunderstanding that Social Security checks won't go out. But they will. They'll still go out, and they'll go out on time. Uh, and then there's federal workers that um, they, you know, will be furloughed, but they still get paid. They, their, their paycheck is just going to be delayed. Uh, so really what it comes down to, in, in my mind, is it, it could be simplified, maybe oversimplified. But basically, you, you know, you, there's going to be several national parks you won't be able to go to. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I can camp a lot of places. you do. Yeah. I, I mean, if it's good for the if it's good for my grandchildren, yes. I'll, I'll forego the national park. Thank you very yes. much. But exactly. We've got this other problem. And the Washington Rep- Post just reported that U.S. Immigration and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, could end up releasing thousands of migrants as its funds are expected to run out in May. Four ICE officials have claimed the agency had drafted plans for releasing migrants and reducing the hold capacity for detainees following the failure of the bipartisan Senate border bill. Had the bill passed, it would have taken care of erasing the 700 million 
dollar budget shortfall of the agency. Um, the NBC News reported that two, de- that two Department of Homeland Security officials had forecasted a budget shortfall was going to be over $500 million unless action was taken by Congress. Several other areas of departments also believed will, they will be experiencing shortfalls. You know, um, that sounds like extortion. <laughs> I'm sorry, but ooh, if you don't, if you don't pass this bill, and if you don't fund me, we're going to release all these people. That's yeah. extortion, right? What the hell? Well, yeah, it's just it's a it's a very common tactic. What they're doing it's it's a it's a um, a uh, scare scenario, right? A, a, let's stoke fears. Let's talk about these scenarios that you absolutely don't want to happen, so that we can frame it as though if you don't fo- vote for this, then you are allowing this and you're responsible for allowing this scenario to happen. And of course, most of the time it never happens. Um, but absolutely, yeah, that, that bill was a horrible bill. Oh, uh, it, 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 there, was, there was so much wrong with it. And it was a tie. Not only was it tied to all the crazy funding, but even if they could have parsed out the stuff that was limited, the, the minority of the bill, which truly was, was limited to the, to the border, uh, it, it wasn't a good bill. It, it basically codified a, a an open border, a limited open border. It would have allowed just short of two million people in per year, illegals. Except they wouldn't technically kind of be illegal, but they would be undocumented. It, it's just all crazy. Biden can do it now. The executive agencies can do it now. They should do it now. But to do it in a way, because some people say, well, it's better than how it is now. Well, that's true. But what it does is it makes that the standard for what's okay. Exactly. And it's only a little bit better. And not only that, but then there's no impetus to continue to try and make it better yet. Because, oh, gosh, we already did something about the border. Well, that that doesn't that doesn't help when 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 the the house is crumbling down and and you're buying us, you know, an extra two seconds. It's no, we got to look at a at a bigger fix a more long-lasting fix and something that that actually um, makes a substantial change. I want to get back to the border in just a minute, but we have to go right away to Redemption Shield. And I want to tell everybody that you can go to Grand Forks, GFBestSource.com, and at the bottom of the homepage, you can check the Shield to order today, and you've used GFBS as the code to save 10%. Take it away, Paul. Have you noticed the ever-alarming 400,000 cell towers that have gone up in the United States alone? How about the electronics that reside in every room of our homes and Wi-Fi that runs 24-7? 5G cell phones are carried in our pockets hours on end. Common complaints are ringing in the ear, sleep deprivation, palpitations, headaches, memory loss, and so much more. Redemption Shield is on the cutting edge of offering products that protect your family from electromagnetic and micro microwave radiation. Start protecting yourself now. Go to redemptionshield.com and get grounded and shielded today. Use code GFBS and save 10%. redemptionshield.com. And that is Redemption Shield. I'm going to go out and buy myself a grounding pad today because I can tell the difference. Okay, speaking of the border, it's kind of funny that they caused the problem then they overspend, and then they extort us with the fear that they're going to let all these people go that are currently being held if we don't give them more money. 
And then we've got um, Governor Burgum doing his photo op down at the border where he's got uh, North Dakota spending $2.2 million in the month-long deployment. That was approved by the North Dakota Emergency Commission, which approved the loan from the Bank of North Dakota, which is probably going to be paid back with taxpayer dollars just to uh, send the guard to Texas. So this is my opinion, not yours. He can parade around and let everybody know what he's doing for the border. Now, here's where I got a real problem, because I have a cabin up in Walhalla, which you can spit from my porch into Canada. And just to let everybody know, February 8th, uh, we caught 19 people that were from Romania that were crossing the border illegally near Nechi. They were uh, unfortunate enough to believe that they could go cross-country in a vehicle and got stuck in a uh, ditch, which caused someone who was passing by to call the Border Patrol to come get them. Then, the very next week, we had a large number of them again from Romania, and these people made it as far as Cavalier before someone called the police and said, uh, yeah, we got folks here that are wandering around the, the motel and at the gas station that obviously don't belong here, and again, had to call the Border Patrol. We've got leaks. Like, you can't believe up there. We are we are picking people up. It's, it's in my little town newspaper up there. We're literally shoveling people, trying to shovel them back into Canada. And all of the... Uh, all of the North Dakota National Guard and everybody else is at the southern border, while our poor border patrol up there is asking the sheriff deputies for help. They're, they're going on the radio, for the Lord's sake, and telling people, if you see something, not only say something, report it, keep an eye on them until we can get there. This makes no sense to me, unless all you're looking for is a photo op, because you want, not you, meaning you, but because Bergam wants uh, a cushy place an administration wherever whoever gets elected president and wants to make sure that the photo op gets his name out there that's my opinion not yours but what are yeah. we going to do about the northern border because nobody seems to give a damn yeah that's an interesting question it's it's hard right when you have a it's just a it, it's just i mean it's incredible what's going on in the southern border that even though it's problems in the northern border they as far as pure numbers go, they're they're tiny as far as, you know, the but as we tighten the southern border, then, of course, it's going to put more pressure on the northern border. And, you know, the Chinese will send, you know, whatever the, the fentanyl uh, precursors to be finished off in Canada, maybe, and then come in. So, yeah, there's no doubt we have to have control of the border. I'm, I don't know, Kit, on what we can do. I agree with you that uh, now, if the guard is being sent down at that particular time to help Texas and it's the states are joining up to say, you know, no to the federal government. I would have been all about that. But I know that there were there were other moments where it it does seem that it was a little bit more for show than for anything else. And then and if that's true, that's really sad, a sad waste of taxpayer dollars. But a little less than six months ago, we had one of the largest fentanyl busts ever uh, up at Nechi. Mm. I mean, like 61 pounds. Wow. And we also are looking at probably a little bit over 300% increase in illegal crossings. And this is just in Nechi. I'm not talking Montana and some of the other places. They've, they're also seeing huge increases, increases uh, over in New York and things like that. We are so 
it, I, I always like to say that, that the government is really good at, at saying, oh, look over here while they're picking your pocket like a magician. And in my personal opinion, I'm not saying the southern border is not a clown show because it is. But at what cost are we ignoring the northern border? And at what cost are we allowing stuff that's running rampant? It wasn't even two years ago that Trudeau had the communist army doing winter training in Canada. The CCP had troops there doing winter training maneuvers in Canada. And we literally could go, yeah, by golly, there they go. It's, it's insane to me that, that no one is mentioning anything about this. And I understand, but I, you'll have to forgive me if my trust of the government, when they've got me so focused in one area, I've learned to go, look in the opposite direction, because that's where there's a real problem. And if it's not there yet, it will be. Yeah, well, I can't argue with you. What will you do about the border if you get in? What would you think would be good to fix this? Because if you're suddenly dumped in there... You're, it's one. It's basically the number one problem people have in the United States. In every poll I've I've seen, they say what needs to be fixed. They start right off with the border. Well, it's. I think it's very simple. All two things. Uh, you need to have the executive branch enforce the laws, which is what it's there for, and then you need Congress to fund it appropriately. And the way to do that is to withhold passing any significant funding bill unless it also includes appropriately funding the border. Just those two things. So the problem is, I like what you've said, but it always seems to get bastardized once it hits, I call it the legislative shelf. Just like we just discussed, the solution for the border in this last piece of legislation really wasn't. Well, yeah, yeah. That was just that was not that was nothing. I mean, that wasn't real. Um, it was uh, the, it was so funny because the Democrats were trying to say they didn't like it, but yet they desperately, desperately wanted it. Um, you know, I mean, that should tell you a lot right there. But we have to be careful. And, you know, you you'll hear this from the candidates like, well, I'm going to do this and this and this. But I tell you what, you're not for, when you're running for house, that's not president. I understand you're running as one of 435 people. So there's there are a couple of things we can do. We can be consistent in our principle, and we can try and persuade others and vote correctly. That's it. Okay. That's all. So what I would do is join the others. What I, yeah, what I'd like to see, kid, is entirely different. If Understand. I was king of the world, if I was president, I'd be boom, 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 boom. I'd have 10 things for you. It'd be done. It'd be over with. As a, if we're being honest and transparent, as a member of Congress, what I'm going to do is work with the Freedom Caucus and some of those that I've mentioned and say, look, we I, we need to pull together. We need to stop any funding, any big funding that's necessary that the rhinos and the Democrats want and refuse to pass it until we get funding for the border. And then when it comes to the enforcement of the laws, well, you need a different president. And I'm not I, I don't have control of that, but we're going to get one anyway. So I'm going to segue boom quick on you because it's kind of the same and kind of not the same. Um, can you play that video for me? It's a short video that uh, uh, I'll have Paul play. Yep. We're getting there. Racist. Okay. But men go to war and women and children flee war. 
Where are all the women and children, please? Everybody that's coming over are fighting age men. They're soldiers. Now, are they there to protect us or are they there to round us up? What are these immigration centers for if we're not using them? What are all these new prisons for if we're not using them? Prisoners are being released early, on time, because our prisons are overcrowded. What are the FEMA camps built for? The largest one can accommodate two million people. But where the hell do they expect to find two million people? And more importantly, why? There's something else going on they're not telling us about. But what are our governments doing for us? Absolutely nothing. So you want to know what immigration is really all about? Ask them. Because they're working with the SAS. They're working with our military. Let me first say, I'm not so, a racist. Okay. Everyone's going to say I men probably... Men go to war. And on. women and children get out of that. flee war. Where- okay. So people are probably going to say I wear my tin hat at a jaunty angle. But the one thing you can tell from that woman, and she's Australian. This is not just happening here. This is happening worldwide. One thing you can tell about that woman is she's not happy. And she's very, very right at the fact that, quite frankly, the, no matter how much they like to try to tell us that these are families that are coming over, the bulk of the people that are coming here are 18 to 24-year-old, 25-year-old males. And we just saw them uh, do a severe beatdown on some cops in New York City and literally walked away without bail. Yep. What? Yeah, it's, it's something. The, the, the person on audio is exactly right. If it was truly seeking refuge and asylum, you would see families and you would see greater numbers of of women and children, no doubt. So something isn't quite right here. And um, and I don't know what what all of the aspects are. Um, I do know that it's unfortunate for the Central American countries, at least there because of our open borders and not only that, but our, our rewarding of people who cross illegally, um, they are losing human resources in, in their countries. The, the, um, I've got friends in Belize, and they're finding that it's, it's hard. People that they used to employ or that they, they used to have a, a small company or something, they're, they're gone. Where'd they go? They crossed illegally into the United States. So I, I we're, our open border is having a worldwide effect. Uh, obviously, it's most detrimental to us in the U.S. by far. But uh, I think it ha- has a negative effect everywhere. And, and for all these young men to come over, it's not refuge. There's, and, and one of the things that, that I do here um, is if you were truly seeking asylum or refuge, you would just go to the country that's next to you. You wouldn't skip through three countries on the way to the United States. Well, the thing that bothers me is so many of the um, non-government agencies that seem to be involved in making sure that these people get here, that they aren't just stopping at the next country, that they're being given maps, they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're being loaded onto trucks, buses, trains. It's It's... People will say I'm just this cold-hearted person, which I can, I got broad shoulders. I'll take it. But it seems to me like it's an orchestrated movement, and that's why they're fighting so hard to not bother to close the border. And that's why everyone's doing the window dressing to make those that, quite frankly, preferably want to keep their head in the sand, going, oh, we're just being so humanitarian. And I'm like, ah, yeah, not so much. Right. So Yeah, that's... 
that's just a that's a house of cards you know the humanitarian we cannot take in all of the world's poor um our society would collapse That's entirely what I'm and so looking at some at. point you have to now if we were a nation that was not a welfare redistributive nation if we were a nation that was purely about opportunity and not handouts we could have more of an open border than what you and I are advocating for right now because the only people that would be coming through are the ones that actually want to work their butts off and make a better life and that actually does help us out Absolutely. but but because of our welfare state uh, and the policies not to mention the, the the handouts again to come illegally which is really what a slap in the face to the legal immigrants Yep. that waited two or three years or 10 years or 12 years and then when they come here it's like hey welcome see you later but if you cross the legal it's like hey here's some here's some money here's some food cards here's a place to stay here's a uh, a trip to get to a sanctuary city um it, it, it's absolutely nuts to me nuts Well, I've got one last profit margin break to make today for Oh for Heaven's Cakes, and I want everybody to understand that there's nothing better than treating yourself to some good homemade baked goods, and that's where Oh for Heaven's Cakes comes in. You'll find the best cupcakes and cakes for any special occasion, or my favorite, just a treat. Walk in to find out more, but I'm warning you, you won't want to leave. Oh for Heaven's Cakes is located on the north back side of the Grand Cities Mall. They're open Tuesdays through Friday from 10 to 4, Saturdays from 9 to noon. Give them a call at 701-757-CAKE. That is 701-757-2253. You can also email at oforheavenscakes at yahoo.com. And you can be a beautiful cupcake in a world full of muffins at Oh for Heaven's Cakes in the Grand Cities Mall. Before we move on to my next favorite topic, which is climate change, I do want to make a comment about what you said because we have a lot of South Africans that are, are come into work as uh, agricultural workers up up by Walhalla, and they're allowed to come in uh, as long as they go home for three months. And uh, there's a lot of them that bring their families and everything else up there, and they're not allowed to stay. And I I find that to me a crime because we've got people that have jobs, they are productive members of the community. Uh, they're, they're doing something that's much needed. They're family, so the money that they're making is going back into the community, and they can't stay. Yep. Meanwhile, we're busy firing everybody else in here that basically can do nothing but take, not give back. And to me, I just sit down and go, somebody better explain this one to me because I can't. Yeah, well, it makes no sense, but it's it's not about doing the right thing. It's about it's about a bigger picture. Uh, it's about bringing in what they think is a a, a block vote. Uh, some could argue it's the uh, Cloward and Piven, uh, you know, co collapse from within. Absolutely, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's anything but uh, 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 compassionate. So I'm going to bring something back now that uh, is near and dear to my heart, which is the Green Movement, uh, and. This is North Dakotan, but it's also federal, and that's the CO2 pipeline. And the, the, the way it has gotten, uh, suddenly it's now the state can tell the townships, the counties and stuff, that they have to take this CO2 pipeline and like it. And the fact that, quite frankly, would we even be doing this if this wasn't being federally and other ways subsidized by our tax money? And then we're being told you got to take it on your land whether you want it or not. Yep. It's uh, so. 
in this congressional race, we have three Republicans. I'm the only one who opposes the CO2 pipeline, uh, and and for good reason. And in fact, I sponsored legis I drafted legislation to prevent the use of eminent domain for the CO2 pipelines. Uh, someone else introduced it for me because I retired between, but that was back in October of 2022 that I introduced that. So we have here a, a waste product of the ethanol plants, which is a manufactured uh, system because of the subsidization of ethanol. Nevertheless, now it's a system many, many people rely on. But the ethanol plants now feel compelled that they want to ship their CO2 out because, again, of a manufactured crisis by the climate alarmists that somehow if we bury the the produced CO2 uh, instead of let it go into the air, that the world will be better off. And so um, and then we use taxpayer dollars to enrich people who want to play the game, build the pipeline, uh, dump the the. Uh, CO2 underground, pay the landowners, which includes one of my running mates, I'm not running mates, one of one of the people running for office, uh, uh, Julie Fedorchuk, pay the people that own land and have contracts with Summit Carbon Solutions to bury that CO2. Uh, this is one scheme layered on top of another scheme on top of another. The, to use eminent domain for a waste product of ethanol plants and for the economic development and wealth creation for private individuals and private businesses is a is a is a maneuver of a government that is is not about freedom. It is not about freedom. Using eminent domain for this is absolutely wrong. It's morally wrong. It's reprehensible. This is not like when we have to use limited domain in very limited areas for things like highways and transmission lines and uh, uh, oil pipelines. The CO2 pipeline is unnecessary. It's it's a manufactured, created thing based on federal government, 45Q tax credits. It, it's it's malarkey. But a lot of people are going to get rich off of it, Kit. A I lot know. of people are going to get very wealthy. And I was just, when I was driving in today, there was someone who was talking about farmers, you can get your carbon credits and all of this stuff. And I'm sitting there going, so you can pay to pollute based on their logic. This none of this makes any sense. You're not really polluting if you're paying, and then you will pay you if you. This is this is a Ponzi scheme, and I just don't understand why people can't seem to take a look at this and go, you know, if it doesn't make sense, it's not because I'm stupid. It's because it doesn't make sense. Right. Well, and they and they, what they do. So the people that are in favor of it, like my two opponents. Um, they they say that if you are opposed to the CO2 pipeline, you're against agriculture and you're against energy. And it's such a ridiculous statement. Uh, what what they're saying effectively is there, there are two, two ways you can fight this, right? So you can take a fight to the Biden administration, to the progressives, the environmental extremists. You can fight them and say, no, we're not buying into this carbon footprint, CO, burying CO2 crap. This is wrong. We are going to fight you. We're going to put a stop at it. Or you can go where my two opponents are going and say, oh, yeah, let's come in. And what we're going to do is take our fight to North Dakota landowners. And we're going to fight them and force them because we're buying into the Biden, the Obama, the, the uh, 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 what's his name, 
the vice president, you know, he invented the internet. Oh yeah, Gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're uh, supposed to be buried right now under 20 feet of ice, just in right. case anybody so hasn't forgotten. We're not going to fight those guys. We're going to fight fellow North Dakota landowners because we want this CO2 to come through. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. Well, and here's the, this is, this will show you how off the wall these people are. There's now a company that wants to help ethanol producers harbin, harness their carbon dioxide emissions by using green methane. Now, methane, remember that's why we have to kill all the livestock because they fart and they produce methane? Well, now we have a far more attractive solution for most ethanol plants than trying to ship carbon dioxide somewhere. We're going to use green methanol. Yep. It's crazy. Can these people get a story straight? Yep. And one of the things I, I wanted to go on a little bit more about the enhanced oil recovery. So what they're saying is we this is really important. And the reason it's it's that the energy comp, energy, the, the, the oil industry Fracking. is in favor of it. Coal is in favor of it is because it can be used for enhanced oil recovery. Yep, fracking. So if you if you pump gas in the ground in a well, you can get more oil out. The problem is that because of the, how the 45Q tax credits are structured, none of that is going to occur for at least 12 years. Not only that, but the studies aren't even complete yet. There are studies that show that mixed gas that comes out of the wells is actually as good or better than CO2. To, for enhanced oil recovery. So this is so premature. If it weren't, as you pointed out in the beginning of this question, if it weren't for all of the taxpayer dollars that's being thrown at private industry to get this done, this would never be happening, never be happening without having good studies, without showing proof of, of concept, never. And we're not even close. Well, the big thing that I have is that we're always being told that the oil rev- revenue is so beneficial to us because it, it builds the legacy fund. It does everything to this. And I'm not disputing that part of it. But what I am disputing is right now, the, the average people in North Dakota aren't seeing a freaking dime from all of this oil revenue and stuff that's a- adding all of this money. To, Bergam even came out and said that he had to get establish a new fund because he had too much money all over the place. So he had to build a new fund. That was one of the things he was trouting about when he was running for president. But we aren't seeing it. We're not seeing it in property tax relief. We're not seeing it anywhere. But we're supposed to sit down and, and be quiet because, ooh, we're helping the oil industry and that benefits you. How? How? <laughs> well, I do know that these, that these uh, subsidy schemes uh, are, are bad and the CO2 subsidy scheme is, is got to be the, the mother of all subsidy schemes. It, it just seems to me that all over... Not just North Dakota the, and, the, and the United States, but all over Europe and every place else. People are being asked to turn their thermostats down. They're having smart water meters installed. They're having smart thermostats installed. Soon, your ability to opt in to having it turned down will be gone. They'll just limit your water and they'll turn your thermostat down for you because our power grid is so bad. And all of these, there were over a thousand private jets that landed in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. But we're supposed to recycle and we're supposed to sit in the cold with blankets on because it's good for Mother Earth. Come on. Yeah. And I wonder what percentage of the people that flew in on those private jets are are going to be virtue signaling at some point about 
about uh, lowering CO2 footprint, uh, you know, or at least admonishing us that we need to follow such and such a guidelines. It's, it's so crazy. It's such a double standard. You've got the globalist elites and then you've got us regular guys. Well, and you even mentioned the insider trading. And I have to believe that there's a lot of people at all different levels, including North Dakota government, that are benefiting from a lot of this, what I consider to be flim flam, because they know what's coming. And so they're, of course, buying stock. Meanwhile, the rest of us sit out here going, what the hell's happening? I don't understand. Why is my electricity bill going up? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And we're just being told, keep funding us, keep funding us, put your faith in us. And I'm like, my faith is done. (laughs) Yeah. You'll have to get, I'm not saying any of this is your opinion. This is all mine, but I got to tell you, you're talking to one ticked off little old lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you and a good portion of the rest of the United States. Well, I understand that, uh, as you said, you're going to be, you know, hopefully walking through those hell at hall doors. And while you're not going to fire alarm. Yeah. Bless you, my son, for that. And if you do, I hope you're charged because apparently that doesn't happen there either. What what we're going to do is, I understand that you're not president, that there's not going to be a lot directly maybe that you can do, but you can make your voice heard. And what I was hoping to do with the show today is allow people maybe to see your mindset mm-hmm. and what you're hoping to bring to the table. And you're, if, if, if you make it, I hope you do, if you make it, uh, what do you think your first month is going to be like? Well, I want to, my first month is, well, I'll learn how to get through the tunnels and to get to the (laughs) right place. Uh, Yeah, again, I love the candidates that that list, you know, 100 things are going to get done. No one else has been able to get them done, you know, when they're in Congress for 30 years, but but you're going to get them done in your 100 days. But no, seriously, what I, the the most important thing is going to be identifying the people that stand for liberty and, and have a spine and have principle, align myself with them and and come up with plans just because i'm a a first year congressman i'm still a 59 year old man and i've been around the block and i have a 10-year history in the state of standing for principle and making both friends and enemies um and and letting it happen how it's going to happen because when you stand for principle you're going to tick people off when you hold other people accountable other elected officials accountable you're really going to tick people off but I'd like to uh, get together with some of the other liberty-minded folks and really come up with a plan for that uh, Congress to do what we can with the purse strings, as I mentioned, to hold the the uh, bureaucrats accountable, to fund the border, and to stop sending money over to countries that we shouldn't be sending it to. Those are those are money things, and and, and the accountability. These are things that are in the responsibility of Congress. And so we just need to do what we're responsible for. And we can do that. The way I can be effective is to align with the right people, be persuasive for other people. And again, these are things I've been doing, had been doing in in the state legislature for 10 years. Well, as you said, it's not inexpensive going to where you're going to go, running and everything else. Could you end with this by letting us know where we can go to find out not only more information, but where we can go to donate for the cause? Because uh, you aren't going to be having a lot of big money behind you that I suspect at least one, if not both of your uh, competitors probably are going to have. Yes. RickBecker2024.com. RickBecker2024.com. 
check it out. Uh, it's it's uh, we do need we do need funding. This is a real deal. Um, I think we have a great chance, but any successful campaign is going to need to be funded. And if the people out in North Dakota, if the grassroots aren't going to uh, get up, get involved, part of that involvement is making a contribution, then things like my election just aren't going to happen. Everybody, it's easy to complain. It's difficult to do. Whatever it takes, whatever you can do, whether it's con- contributing money, time, or whatever, if you can help with uh, handing out the, the petitions for the property tax, helping, mm-hmm. helping Rick at a, at a campaign rally, or whatever it takes, please, please, we got to start doing something now because we're running out of time. Rick Beckers, thank you so much for taking the time out today to be with us. Uh, God bless. And please, 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 from your lips to God's ears, may you may you make it to Washington to speak for some of us that can't seem to main, get anybody's attention back here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Everybody, Common Sense Uncensored, another one in the can. Everybody take care and God bless.